I played five games of rugby since I'd had my first surgery. You know, where the, the writing was kind of on the wall a bit. It was like, you know, I need to keep an eye on on opportunities outside of rugby. I, I still had that same, you know, I'm going to get back and I'm going to play good rugby and I'm, you know, I'm going to make a, a career of this. But um, that appreciation that, you know, I, I need to keep keep one eye on on what's next because um, what's next might might come pretty quickly, you know. How they transition into career after sport. So, how's the babysitting today? You mate, not too bad, not too bad. We're just, uh, yeah, just up and, and getting sorted this morning. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, and we obviously yeah, sure. my my wife is uh, is is French and I'm from New Zealand, so we've got a lot of family here. So, when sort of down days are, are very much family days. Oh, really? But, um, but yeah, it's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mate, it's it's good. Uh, mate, man, how do you get into? I, I suppose podcasting, but but. This in particular, what was the the reasoning behind the the sort of athlete transitioning? Long story, but I'm not going to bore you with it. I went back to uni. All I was good at when I was younger was playing sport. Um, but I thought I'm really interested in the coaching side, the psychology side. And then in the second year, mental health was really my big kind of passion project of what I'm interested in in the sports science side. And um, and then I kind of just got into what I'm interested as well. I'm interested in business. Uh, I'm interested in um, sport. <coughs> and just we've got this kind of like emotional kind of attachment to. Let's say there's a kid who watched you play at Bristol. There'll still be an emotional attachment for that kid watching you in ten years because like, oh I, I watched him. So I want to know like what happens to the players after they leave. I mean, there's a lot of players who you know just think about all the rosters over the years. Yeah. Oh yeah just tens and tens and going to hundreds hundreds of players where what are they going to do after you know and that's kind of what it's also a bit of a mental health podcast as well but we, i don't mention that yeah because i feel yeah yeah there needs to be a purpose for the athletes do you know what i mean and that yeah. this might be business and uh <coughs> that kind of thing yeah. so yeah sorry for the long yeah no 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 mate it's, it's, I, I find it really just well you see you hear all the horror stories about um particularly like ex-NFL athletes who, you know, have made millions over the course of four or five years. And then in the next yeah. four or five years, it's all gone. You know what I mean? It's, um, yeah. So no, it's made, it's, it's definitely, no, definitely like, and, and obviously, you know, playing as well. Like, mate, you see how quickly careers can end. They're just, you know, gone. And then it's, you know, yeah. professional sports pretty unforgiving, you know, it's, it doesn't, doesn't sort of have, have a lot of room to, yeah. um, for forgiveness in, in that respect. I suppose this is just this kind of spinning wheel of uh, things that can happen for an athlete. It could be an injury one day. There could be a new coach coming in who just doesn't fancy the player. I mean, it could just be the player has is just not loving sport anymore. You know, there's so many different things, aren't there, that could just be the end of a career or the career just transition. I mean, look at Eden Hazard, the footballer who just retired a few months ago. I mean, probably at one stage, best footballer in the world. And yeah, he's retiring at only. Uh, so I, I don't <clears> like using the word retire because it's not retiring, is it? It's just you're stopping playing sport and then you're going to go on to. Sport. Yeah, yeah, but it, but it does. It feels like uh, you know, it's something that that weighs pretty heavy on me as well. You know? Like it is that it's a real definite sort of finish to something. You know what I mean? Whereas obviously there's transition, but it feels like a real end and a real beginning. You know, which um, yeah. So mate, I get it. Retirement word that comes to mind for me as well you know when did you start thinking about 
transitioning yourself from sport into i mean you've got the coffee shop you got borough is that how you pronounce it borough yeah yeah borough um yeah so i mean to me it wasn't like borough was never a um it wasn't the idea of oh look up you know i'll set something up now so then i can walk into it after rugby it was um like i i enjoyed hospitality i like the idea of it um i sort of wanted to to sort of get into coffee at some point uh, i always thought it would be after my career it might be something nice to try um and i was actually i was, I was on holiday and i was reading a book and um about sort of small businesses and and you know why so many <laughs> fail but also some succeed uh the emus by michael gerber Okay. Um, oh, yeah, nice. The entrepreneurial myth—it's—it's it's, it's effectively, you know, the idea that um, a lot of small businesses are set up by people who are who are good at that business. So, for instance, if I'm a really good barista, I might set up a cafe, but that doesn't necessarily give me the tools to to run a business or to manage people or or to sure. project and and that kind of thing. So, but as I was reading it, it was it was very clear to me that it was the same the same things I've been doing for the last ten years in rugby. You know. In terms of structures and accountabilities and uh, leadership and and all those kind of things, so um, so yeah, we thought oh we'll, we'll, it was the end of COVID. We thought I'll oh, we'll give it a crack, and um, yeah, we we learned a lot of very hard lessons. We got a, a lot of things very wrong, but um, but again, applying similar principles that I'd sort of learned through my career is that that rinse and repeat. You know, fail but fail fast, and then go again. And um, we managed to sort of get ourselves in a really good position. So. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of how how we we fell into it anyway. That that's interesting that because I um I looked back. There was a podcast that was uh, by the the Bristol Bears podcast, and in that you were with the Lay Brothers, kind of playing around with coffee. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this was in this was in February two thousand twenty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. February, yeah. Since that February two thousand twenty one. You posted on Instagram opening Borough Coffee. So within one year, the uh, gone from you've gone yeah. from discuss, like just playing around. You have a sage, you had a sage machine. I it, someone mentioned, which is what I've got at home right now. So you're just yeah, playing yeah, around, yeah. and then it goes to one year. Obviously, COVID. I don't know. I actually think COVID was a good opportunity for a lot of people to start 100%. business. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. How was that for you going into idea to? Right, let's let's start looking. Well, but it was actually it's funny. So I think it was, yeah, it was November. I think it was November seventeen. So so at the end of twenty twenty, um, I think I was I was walking home and I, and I shot uh, Luke Morahan. So he's um, he's also a uh, he's a kind one. This will be here and yeah, yeah. So he's one of the co-owners. So um, and I just shot him a text that said, um, you know, mate, you fancy opening a coffee shop? Because he's I know he's got a lot of business interests and. He sort of messed back and said, "Yeah, all right." And like, literally, that was it. <laughs> and like there was there was very little other than that. So, um, and then uh, yeah, we just sort of started. Yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, let's do it. So, um, and then we just sort of started looking for a site. And and look, we got we got really lucky. We got a really good site. Um, you know, which which beautiful spot sort of helped. Yeah, so it's, and and just location wise, you know. So like, I, I sort of I suppose I, I didn't appreciate. I, I kind of knew this, but without knowing it, um, for a coffee shop, how important location is. You know? So we, we obviously we landed a really really good spot. Um, 
you know, we had some some really good who luck with the sort of people, you know, a few people we managed to employ and hold on to. Um, you know, my, my wife Adele sort of worked a lot in hospitality, so um, and she she's an absolute workhorse when she gets going. So she, um, you know, she put a lot of a lot of hours into setting it up. And uh, yeah, and then like I said, we. You know, we we gave it a crack. We got things. You have to say that because she's there. Yeah, went from there. (laughs) (laughs) She's not actually. She's actually in the other room now. But um, but yeah, no, mate. She was. um, Yeah, she's mate. She's like (laughs) inspirational. The the, and I'm sure you've met these people before, but just like the default is just work hard. Yeah, whatever happens, it's like right. Well, we just put more work in you know what i mean that's just the the obvious solution i think hospitality is difficult and and i think it's tough to get staff mm. uh but but i think there's something different about coffee and i think coffee i'm a real coffee snob mm. and but especially with staff the staff can create an energy in your shop can't they it can make an energy in your 100 uh almost like this community thing and different staff can bring in different people different friends different kind of uh just this kind of different community isn't it so if you can get that right uh you can really cr- really create a buzz in your in your place can't you 100 percent. it's 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 like that old um ibm mentor you know that like culture eats strategy for breakfast like um the culture of a place is is so much more important than um than anything else we're trying to do so the people are like are, are absolutely essential um you know, so so finding good staff and, and one wasn't easy. Like I would say, it probably took us two years to get a team where I felt like we had a team of all A players. You know, so it probably took us. Mm. We got a few wrong. We definitely definitely got a few shifts wrong. They they were hard, but you know, we ended up with a really good shift. Um, we've, we've got a really really good young sort of dynamic team, and and I think what we kind of learned along the way is we put a lot of focus on on person. You know, like obviously we're we're dealing with specialty coffee and, and there's a certain uh, skill level you need for that but for us and particularly now I would much prefer um, someone who I feel is a really good person um, shares yeah. the same values you know I, I don't believe you can teach values so we have a certain a certain values at, at Borough and I believe we have to hire them I don't believe we can bring someone in and teach them our values you know if, if someone comes in they don't share those values around customer service and quality um, you know, that sort of little things like turning up on time, showing your colleagues respect, you know, I, I, I don't feel like we've got the right person. So, um, I mean, turning up so on time, that's kind of, weird. it's amazing yeah. how that's gone. Uh, amazing how many people yeah. just turn it crazy minutes late now and almost just kind of, yeah. Uh, uh, one, what it happened to me a few, I'd say about a year yeah. ago, I said to this guy, Hey, he was a kid, he's a kid basically. And, and Funny enough, he was the student of my wife. My wife's a teacher, French teacher. Okay. Yeah. And uh, he goes, uh, oh, hey, Craig. And I'm like, I'm at five minutes late. And he's like, oh, really? It's really just a bit of a shrug of the shoulders. And, <laughs> and my wife told me. It's crazy, isn't it? Don't get involved. I don't want him to be a kind of, I don't want to have a triangle battle, do you know, with all these things going on. Yeah. yeah, it's so important to get the, Get that. But when going back to when you're hiring someone, do you have almost a kind of a question that is quite easy for someone to give you the right answer that you want to hear? <clears throat> but is there something yeah. that you can ask where you kind of sneak in just so you get a kind of little 
their viewpoint of who they are. Do you know what I mean? Yes, yes and no. So we've um, I've kind of got two pages. One which is essentially just a checklist of, of how we hire people, and then the other one is um, is kind of like a scorecard. So, so one thing I try like I try to remove that emotional bias from it and try and have it as almost as analytical as you can. Something like this, obviously, it's extremely uh, should be difficult to do because it's very interpersonal. But try to strip out as much emotion and and that as possible. So, my my theory on hiring is is it's almost like you're screaming for red flags. You, you can't tell if someone's going to be really good. You can try and find out if, if they're not going to be good. So, you know, things for me that that I really like to see, for instance, on a CV is someone who's stayed in a job for you know six months plus. And for young people, that's not not necessarily very common, you know. And it's particularly if it's been at um, maybe somewhere that's a bit less desirable to work, and you're like, okay, well, if you can stick that out for six months, you've probably got a bit about you. So that's that's one thing that sort of gets people in the door. Um, and then little things, you know, like like. Um, people who who talk poorly about old management you know it's never a good sign and um you know it's it's i suppose nothing nothing major but just people who who are keen they've sort of had a look into the business they're interested um they want to learn uh, obviously they, yeah. they turn up on time for their interview which doesn't always happen as well <laughs> but uh you know it, it's essentially a, a screening progress and then we get them in we trial them um with the team so you know that's I'm, I'm not there it's the team the team come back to me and they say look we really like this person or or we don't think this person's a good fit so um yeah so it kind of goes through that screening process then they come in and then and it's almost like the team deals with it from there and, um, i mean it's tough isn't yeah, it the stuff situation and, and, and sorry sorry jake there's a bit of a the no, 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 no. there's a bit of a gap in when i speak and you hear me so i sometimes i have to just Give it a go. No, mate. No problem. No problem. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Um, regarding the staff, hospitality is <clears throat> kind of notorious for a uh, changeover of staff. Maybe a spa- especially if you get students. Bristol's a student, student, uh, yeah. you know, uh, student tat, student city, and you might get the best staff for two, three years, and then they might leave. You know. Yeah. And maybe as you've been open for maybe three years, you might be experiencing some of that. How much are you, you know, how do you start looking? Do you say to them, oh, have you got any good mates who might want to work as well? Yeah, so, yeah, I think I think um, in the UK, hospitality turnover, I think it's about 37% annually, which is obviously huge in, in industry. We, we're kind of sitting about 30%, so we're, yeah, there or thereabouts. Um, yeah, look, and for me, it's it's I find it really exciting. I, I'm not excited by recruitment because it's very, very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sort of, a, sort of a project. But for me, what's exciting is that, like, okay, well, I, look, I can't control people leaving. And to be honest, if, if people come into to our business, and um, as long as they leave better than when they came, for me, it's fantastic, great. Like, you come in, you learn some skills, you 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 know, sort of develop professionally, and you add to the culture. When they move on, I'm, you know, that's that for me is is a real win. Um, for me, what I really enjoy is that challenge. Then, okay, well, how how strong can I build the structures of my business? You know, and and the the way we do things. Um, how how strong can I build my culture so that we can withstand people coming and going? Because at the end of the day, you know, bar although it's just a coffee shop, it has to be bigger than me. It has to be bigger than you know my wife and our head chef and our manager. And you know, if one goes, well, then the next one needs to be able to step in. And 
and take it to the next level and continue to grow it. So that's definitely the challenge that I really enjoy is how how can I grow the staff, grow the culture, grow the system so that um, all I have to do is find good people, then they can come and enter. Sure. You sound like you're really involved. This doesn't sound like kind of in the past where someone might start a business on the side but then just have their name on the on the door and then carry on maybe playing rugby kind of full time. How how are you spending plates to be able to play rugby? You're playing for Bristol and then you've got this business as well. What's your week looking like? And then you got kids. Yeah. Pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm doing a bit of study at the moment as well. So it's sort of yeah, we're we're certainly uh certainly pretty busy. But um look I think uh right, regarding the business there there are some things that like anything, there are some things you can't really delegate and you have to deal with. And the big one for me is communicating, sitting down, spending time with, with the team. Um, but then there are lots of other things where I feel like particularly now I can give ownership to the guys and, and I can let the team deal with that, which is great. Um, yeah, I, I suppose, look, it's it's um, it's get up early in the morning and getting you know, an hour worth of work done and, and sometimes that's that's all it needs just to stay on top of it or, or when the young fellow are you training during the night. When do you train? When do you when are you in the in the shop? Uh so mate, I, like I won't I won't actually get my hands, you know what I mean? I, I won't actually work shifts in the shop, mainly for my lower back, um, as much as anything else. But uh but yeah, so for me it's more, you know, meeting with the team, uh, meeting with managers, um, you know, dealing with a bit of strategy, like getting a bit of merchandise set up for for the um, for the Christmas period, and um, mm. you know, a bit of financial planning and those those kind of things. Um, so it's not, I, I suppose, I like to almost see my role as, as supporting the team um, a yep. lot, and then and then looking at what we're doing next, you know, planning events. But again, you know, I feel like we've we've got a really really strong sort of leadership team, and really sort of challenge them to to take ownership of what they're doing and. Um, and how they're driving it, and then again back to that, you know, the values of Borough. I, I feel like if I've got a good team who understand our values, well, then they're as well equipped to make decisions as I am, you know. And, and if they get it wrong, great, let's go again. <laughs> and for where I mean, that sounds definitely like the talk of a a rugby player or like a you know a rugby team. The values there, this getting this culture right. Yeah, well, it made then one hundred percent because you you know you can't um, you know you. I suppose within sport, it, it moves so quickly. If you don't have a good culture, you don't have good values set up. Like you don't have time to correct that. You've got seven days, and, and you've got to go again. So you can't be worrying about um, about that kind of thing. And, and very much as well, like that. You know, I think it, it came out of um, New Zealand, the All Blacks initially. But that, like, no dickheads policy. You know, like you just no, one person can yeah can can corrupt any team so much. So being really really like that has to be step one, and then. Yeah, everything off the back of that comes a lot easier. Mm. I mean, when did you really get interested in the coffee kind of sector itself? Was it coming to Ireland, going to youth, uh, going to England? Yeah, I, I suppose when I started playing full time, there's not, you know, so I, I grew up quite rural and, you know, sort of fishing and diving and would get out and do lots of things in my spare time. And then, you you know, you start playing um you know, full time, fully professionally, and, and your spare time, you, you kind of have to relax and you have to get off your feet and sure. um, 
just to make sure you're able to keep going. So, so what you end up finding is that it had to be a pastime is drinking coffee. It's years going and um, and so, so I, you know, I just really enjoyed coffee. But I think more than that, I, I enjoyed the hospitality aspect of it. That you know, when you go into a nice place for a cup of coffee, you're paying so much more than the coffee. You pay for you know the product is from the minute you open the door to the minute you leave. Like that's and everything in between. So that's the the aesthetic of the place, it's the service, um, it's the yeah, money for value, it's obviously the taste of Yeah. So so that's kind of what I enjoy. You know, when you walk into a place and and you know it's going to feel good and um and, and for me in terms of wanting to get into business, you know, it's it's such a it's it's really, really nice to do something where I feel like we can we can really provide something um positive for the community as well, which um which just sort of adds to enjoying all the rest of it but then we can actually do something really really cool how, how much of a rabbit hole did you go down when you start when you started thinking okay we've got a spot here we've got a nice location what, what was going through your mind were you working with other people to you know for the branding for the colors the colors <clears throat> that kind of thing yeah yeah we look and again we, we were really really fortunate and mate i'm sure you've probably noticed this within hospitality as well particularly in bristol is, is so many people uh really really happy giving up their time and 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 energy to help you know so um really fortunate i suppose one of the people we're working with obviously like you know luke um very similar and very hard working um the the bristol bs coo was working with us at the time as well um tom tainton and and so in terms of the branding and the communications and working with different people so we had a you know really really good leg up there but um, you know, we our coffee roaster uh, extract in, in Bristol. You know, they kind of they walked with us the entire way. So before we even had a coffee shop, they put a lot of resource and energy into us, um, which they obviously didn't need to do. Um, sure. You know, with with other you know customers, and I've heard of Bellazoo, which is an ingredient company, but their GM was around the corner, and he's kind of mentored us through. And 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 no one, none, you know, none of these people have had to do that, but they've been so willing to. To give their time and help us learn and um so i suppose for us it's it's just been a case of if we're willing if we're willing to take it and we're willing to learn there's so many people there to help so you know absolutely can't take away from the fact that you know playing professional sport gives you that foot in the door you know but and that's kind of i suppose the other thing for me as well is, is it, it seems absolutely wasted opportunity not to to go and talk to these people while I I sort of have that that chance, you know, we have these connections. So the last year or so, like, like I'm I'm just trying to get in front of as many people as possible because yeah, you, know, you, you never know what sort of experiences you you could learn or, or you know potential opportunities or doors that could open in the future. You know? mm. You've obviously your teammate Ellis Genge, he's got his own business as well, hasn't he? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's got his own um, gym, which is doing really really gym. well. Yeah. And built, yeah, and and Leicester, so. Um, mate, they've built something really, really cool. Uh, mate, mate, he's around quite a lot. So I think the way the internationals work is he's effectively a, a Bristol Bears player who will go and play for England, opposed to go and play for an England yeah. player who will come and play for Bears. You know, so, sure. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, he's. Uh, and the reason I ask is yeah, because I just wondered if he's starting a business. Maybe he started a few years, maybe before you, with the uh, with his gym. Did you ask him for kind of some advice? Is there any? Kind of, you know, maybe it's not, it's not a coffee shop, but it's still, you know, kind of the whole solicitor's side, the legal side to it. Mm. Yeah, no, our, our 
I'm not sure what the timing was, but our, you know, we were kind of ships in the night, I guess, with um, with our business. I think I think he had more or less sort of set that up before he came to Bristol, and um, okay, yeah, we, we'd already had had bar running before he came as well. But he's, you know, he's looked at a couple of hospitality opportunities, and we've kind of spoken briefly about that. Um, here's a couple of other boys, Harry Thacker and, and Jake Woolmore. Uh, doing the sort of the sauna and ice bath stuff as well, you know, so it's oh, yeah. going to events and providing um, recovery and breathwork solutions. So, um, yeah, there's a few boys. There's another uh, Sam Bedlow who was here. He's at sale now. They had a gin truck. Um, so we're catering and, um, you know, providing gym at, gin at events and that kind of thing. So, um, there's, you know, and I suppose you've noticed as well, there's, there's plenty of, of sort of present and, and past athletes who are knocking around Um yeah, doing doing little bits on the side. Was there a certain time where you thought I'm gonna I have to start thinking about because you're not an old guy. I'm guessing you're what thirty two or something. I feel an old guy. Yeah, thirty one, but going on forty five. Thirty one, really? Okay, so young. Um, but was there a certain time where you thought where you thought uh, maybe I should start looking into that, or was it just COVID came around and thought, oh, there's an opportunity? Yeah, it was more, you know, like. Um, like I said, it was it was sort of the opportunity came up and um, felt we you know we'd give it a crack and 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 had nothing to lose. So um, yeah, again, it was it's never really been you know like like whilst transitioning is there and and it is quite intimidating. It's you know I've always kind of I guess back myself and um, you know and, and the people I know that that if if I really get after something I you know I'll be able to sort of find my way and. Um, you know, my brother used to always tell me, you know, if, you, if you make good decisions and you're good to people, you'll be fine. So, um, you know, I've, I've never been sort of too worried. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is, has he been playing with your Wikipedia page? <laughs> I know he did. I know when um, when I decided to leave Connacht in 2018, he went on there and, and said that uh, there was a rumor that I'd signed a big money deal with Toulon, which um, which he really enjoyed. Um but <laughs> right no, on his, on, the, on your current wikipedia page it says um uh currently supported by his stoic brother ben some something like that <laughs> right um yeah yeah maybe although he probably can't spell stoic so maybe it wasn't him but um who knows um but obviously you came over from ireland yeah so yeah came over from ireland came from, yeah. well first of all you're from new zealand i mean you could get that you got a funny bristol accent <laughs> yeah right. yeah no so uh yeah it was it was interesting so i you know i'd sort of come through age grade rugby i sort of played uh new zealand schoolboys new zealand 20s and um was kind of between contracts wanting a little bit more and, and pat lamb offered me a full-time you know contract and and connect it was the first time i'd ever actually had any money which was which was a nice little bonus but uh nice. a nice a nice uh a nice chance to sort of see the world and um yeah i always sort of wanted to go traveling but you know it's quite tough with with timing and, and rugby and that so um so yeah and it was a chance to i suppose apply my craft full time and um mm. you know to, to really get better you know just just to be able to devote seven days um of my time towards rugby, which which I really enjoyed as well. So, yes, it was a massive opportunity. So, look, I've, I've spent 10, 11 years in the Northern Hemisphere now, and, and Bristol now, you know, to me, is home. Like, you know, my son was born here. I married my wife here. We have a business here. So, um, yeah, really, really lucky. Putting roots down, yeah. But I haven't been back in, in 
since I moved to, so I think I went back to New Zealand before I moved to Bristol, so five and a half years ago. Um, right, okay. Get over Mulder Brothers out in Texas, so get out there a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, tough, tough to sort of find the time to to make that journey home, especially now with kids and family and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. And what's your um, what's your goal for Borough? Do you want to get uh, more kind of places? Are you looking to kind of expand um, to other cities around the south south uh, west? Yeah, this look. I think um, I would like to. I, I think there's definitely room for another one or two sites in Bristol. Um, I'd like to get after a bigger site. You know, I think we've got a couple of nice coffees you know coffee shop size sites but the the trouble we have is we don't have enough covers um so i'd like to get after a you know a really a really good site almost like a marquee site where we can you know with sort of 60 70 covers and and you know it's our food offerings really strong and, and push that um and then i'd like to yeah look to you know look to potentially move out of out of bristol um aim for around that five five sort of sites in the next probably five years um and like london is, has such a high standard of hospitality so that's you know somewhere I'd, I'd like to go and spend a bit more time there and, and get to know the people doing it you know that would for me would be like that yeah that would would be something i'd love to try and tick off sometimes is trying to get a site there and, and see how that goes mm. where did you uh were there any places in particular you went to to kind of really get some inspiration for or this, you know, you saw someplace and thought, oh, that is, I love this <clears throat> energy to it. Yeah. You will, you look, I actually found, um, so initially we were living here, it was uh, Boston Tea Party. You might have, like, they're quite a big group now. Um, they've quite a few sites over the UK, but that was our local and the staff were great. And, you know, you'd walk the dog and grab a coffee there every morning. And, um, you know, that's that's kind of what, what hospitality is, right? But then... I found so many places where I could get a, a really good cup of coffee and I enjoyed the coffee, but I'd walk in and, and it was almost quite intimidating, you know, it was like, was I, am I cool enough to be here? Like, you know, the, the staff are quite trendy and edgy, but they also would pay you zero attention. And, um, yeah. it was almost like I didn't, you were a bit of a nuisance being there, you know, which, um, which again, for me, I, I felt like, uh, we could just do so much better, you know, and it didn't take yeah. much. It's, it's saying, Oh, how are you getting on when someone walks in the door? Like it's really, really simple. But that was kind of where where I felt that we could we could do better. And and then the other one was, um, you know, doing table service. So you know, there's I don't think there are there are probably a couple of coffee shops, but you know, it's all sort of bar service and and put the least effort possible into service to keep labour costs down, which I get completely because labour costs are, are difficult in hospitality, right? But that's something we found is is let's get good people, let's put emphasis in customer service and yeah let's go see people at their table you know that gives us an opportunity again to to bring ourselves to the conversation to you know to communicate about our products communicate our better brand and yeah and it's it's again really really simple but that's something i just i felt was lacking in in bristol and um and then again i, I suppose speaking of opportunities in covid people were screaming out for for some human interaction you know the sure the, you know the measures that were put in place were, yeah, you know, were terrible for that. Where people couldn't see family, and so then we would run coffee out a window, and people just love to come because they just want to chat, you know. And and that's yeah, 
um, speak a bit about mental health and um, across the board, just that level of human interaction and, and that, that tiny bit of care goes a really, really long way. And that's that's almost the foundation that we were able to sort of leapfrog off. When, when we got other things wrong, we always had that. We always had, you know, the staff who care, a community who, who you know, wanted to be a part of that and, and gave us an opportunity to, to sort of correct it and go again. Oh, there is a, almost a romance about a coffee shop that I don't think uh, other places do, but also when you make it well, um, it's better than any chain uh, yeah. chain kind of coffee, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And like how special is that, you know, that people... You know, people can go down there and and yeah, it's their day. You know, it, it gives them, like you say, something to get out of bed for in the morning. And uh, mm. so yeah, and that's that's where where I think some places get it wrong is that that uh, particularly in hospitality, it's so much more than just a cup of coffee and you know, just a, it, it's there's everything else that goes with it. Just going back to you know, as a player, are there other kids who are coming up through the ranks at Bristol where you kind of you almost do you just want to let them play and then worry about their career when they get older or are they asking questions about oh you know how is it having a business or is it just they're almost just too young to not be bothered about that yet so they just want to enjoy their rugby yeah I, th- I think so like I, I think of myself and I was young and it was it was like rugby was number one two three and four you know what I mean and there was just yeah, I had had very very little worldly thought. It wasn't until um, I think 2014 um, I had three consecutive shoulder recon- right shoulder reconstructions. Um, I was out for 22 22 months over the course of three seasons. Wow. Um, where coming out of that, I suppose my my horizons almost had to broaden. You know, I went into my last surgery. Yeah. And, going into surgery drinking lots of coffee you, you may never play that well that's it yeah that as well um but you know you may never play rugby again and up until that point um rugby had been all i did to know and quite literally you know I'd, I'd never never paid much attention to i knew i had to do stuff outside of it but i was always very headstrong but like, I'm, I'm gonna make it in rugby and that's that's what i'm gonna do so as i suppose coming out of that and and you know i'd seen it in other people but being firsthand in a position where my career could have ended there and then uh, but you know 24 25 years old um i sort of started to get more appreciation so so i think for young fellas coming yeah. in it's you know just want to crack and just want to play and was that a dark time yeah is that yeah, one of yeah. your kind of like dark times for you yeah like they i sort of took them all slightly differently you know i, I suppose you know the the first couple of surgeries particularly it was nothing really changed i was just very headstrong get back in the gym and get back come back a bit bigger and a bit stronger and um you know my my last surgery I was, yeah, I was out for 11 months um I'd played five games of rugby since I'd had my first surgery you know where the, the writing was kind of on the wall of it it was like you know I need to keep an eye on on opportunities outside of rugby I, I still had that same you know I'm gonna get back and how I'm gonna play good rugby and I'm you know I'm gonna make a, a career of this but um, that appreciation that you know I, I need to keep keep one eye on on what's next because um, what's next might might come pretty quickly you know mm. what, what do you you know outside of the business you play because these are these are your jobs aren't you 
these are what's supporting your family, your yeah. rugby, and you've got the company. What is it that you have found that really kind of sets your mind just to rest and just get some some time to breathe? Yeah, so uh, I really, like, I'd love, you know, I'd love to sort of get out surfing when I can. Um, you know, I first came to Bristol, and I couldn't make my prem debut until February, so... Um, so a few weekends off, so we'd sort of get out to the coast whenever I could. We're lucky now we've got a, um, a, a artificial wave just up the road, so it's you know it's always there whenever yep. you need I'd it. Love to try, um, yeah. mate. It's fantastic. Um, Nick actually, the the, the founder's uh, son, both his sons work for us at Borough as well, so um, haven't given me a discount yet. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're sort of. Um, but what what they've created is is phenomenal. Um, yeah. So there's that, and I, I suppose I suppose now having you know, you know yourself having a a young family, you know, I've, I've sort of got my boy, and, and uh, being a dad's been really really special. And, yeah, that's kind of when I'm able. So I'm not always great at shutting down. Um, so I've put a bit more effort into that. But when I'm able to just shut down and, and just be with my family, that's um, yeah, that's really really special time for me. Now, how old are the kids? Just, just the one, uh, seven months. So, um, Bleak, yeah. honestly, it all goes so quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. Yeah, it, it made like, like you say, like it's almost already like where's where's my baby gone? But in the same in the same breath, it's been the longest seven months of my life. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it's been good. It's been really good. 